Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Thank Jesus for him. All right. Hey, here's one that Chris didn't miss because we didn't tell him to announce this, but I, I do want to put this on your radar. Um, our 14th birthday is coming up. Actually, the day that our 40 days of prayer and fasting ends is October 27th, and that is 14 years as a, uh, as a Providence community. So I uh, want to encourage that. We are celebrating that October 31st <clears throat> on a dark day. <clears throat> excuse me. On a dark day, I love it. Halloween this year, Providence is gathering and is going to be like and we're gonna laugh and play together and celebrate Jesus. So I do wanna say this, though. More details will be coming out, but this year for our birthday party, um, we're not spending money on anything. We're not renting any mechanical bulls or anything like that. Um, like we're, we're famous for that. If you haven't been a part of that, you know, my, I've got a dream of, of owning a mechanical bull and having it as a staple in the foyer. So one of these days, uh, when we're doing better financially, I'm gonna make that happen, all right? Deal? All right. Three of you, we're gonna do this together. Uh, but uh, this year, what we're doing is we're gonna do a dessert auction. And so bring your best desserts. I, I want like cheesecakes that get auctioned off for like $500, amen? And what we're gonna do is we're, we're going to, this is a, a season at Providence where, where um, it is tight financially, and it's, they're the best seasons not to try to hoard wealth, but just to you know, blow people's minds with generosity. So we're not gonna keep a penny from this auction, we're gonna give it all away. All right, and so for this, uh, yeah, for this birthday party, that's what we're gonna do. Half of it is gonna go to Haiti Bible Mission. The Haiti Bible Mission, uh, you know, and the, the country of Haiti has just survived a earthquake that has leveled 40% of its structures and compromised uh, buildings of uh, multiple other ones. They've gone through multiple hurricanes and tropical storms and the assassination of their, uh, of their president. Um, and we haven't really had them on our radar until now. So we're gonna cook Rice Krispie treats, cheesecakes, I don't know, pumpkin pies, right, brownies? Um, what else, someone else, is, is, so it, just straight up chocolate. We're gonna make all that. And then we're gonna, we're gonna auction it off, we're gonna give the money to them, and then the other half of it is gonna go to, to our, our neighborhood. Just outside, just right here in our neighborhood, we just wanna bless, 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 amen? We've got it. We, we have to. Here's one of the things that God has on me as a pastor is in seasons like this where, you know, there's all kinds of challenges in the world and every, you know, all this kind of strife and turmoil. If we don't get outside of ourselves and actually care for people outside of these walls, we stop being the church. And that just cannot happen. Right. So we're, we're going to be uh, focused on worshiping God in here. But what's happening in here has to hit the streets. And so we're gonna be doing that in this season. Amen? Amen, Amen. good. Hey, grab your Bibles and uh, grab them. This is another one of those messages where I'm not, I'm not uh, hunkering down in one passage. I'm gonna be um, speaking <clears throat> on, a, uh, on a, a topic in the Bible that is extremely important. And so we're gonna be throughout the scriptures, but mostly anchored in Paul's epistles. So if you wanna turn to Philippians or, or 1 Timothy, uh, that would be a good place to start. I, I wanna talk um, this morning, <clears throat> today, um, a, a, about a topic that I'm gonna need a few weeks to, to talk on. All right, so this is gonna be the first, this is a Jesus series. I've been preaching on Jesus 
this all year, and I'm not gonna stop, but this is a topic that you have to talk about if you wanna talk about Jesus, because this is a topic that Jesus was famous for speaking on. In fact, he talked about this topic more than he talked about heaven, and uh, so what we're talking about today is we're talking about money. Now, I know that some of you, I saw a lot of people are new and you could be visiting and you could be visiting Providence today because you hear we don't talk about money and you're running from your last church who that's all they talked about, all right? Um, this is just made by God's providence. Here we go. But I'm not gonna be talking about money in a, in a shameful way. Um, I can honestly say that if you don't wanna give, we don't need your money. Um, we don't want uh, compulsor, compulsory giving, um, it's not giving, all right? It doesn't count in the kingdom. Uh, money that is given hilariously and joyously because you treasure Jesus uh, more than your dollars is the kind of giving that Jesus uses. And I found that the Jesus that can use a few fish and loaves can take a few dollars and do some magnificent things, all right? So this is, listen, if you don't wanna give here, don't. But I'm praying that what, what happens as a Jesus church that we begin to adopt Jesus's heart. And Jesus was actually incredibly generous with his money, all right? Now, here's where I'm not going today. I'm not gonna talk about tithing, okay? Not today, I will in the days to come because it's important, okay? And we are gonna have the argument from the stage about, you know, is, is tithing just old covenant or is it new covenant? Um, we're gonna wrestle around with that. We're gonna talk about, is it tithing if you're not giving to your local church and you're giving to a not-for-profit? We're gonna talk about that, but just not today, all right? Um, you know, there's a, the old covenant has fading glory, right? That's why Moses had to wear the veil. The new covenant has glory, glory, right? So giving in the old covenant shouldn't be greater than giving in the new covenant. I will say that, all right? But we're gonna be talking today just about but what, what we mean or what Jesus means when the Bible talks about kingdom finance. Now, kingdom finance, there's lots of definitions out there. If you Google it, if you listen to you know, this ministry or that ministry or this preacher or that preacher, there's all kinds of definitions. Kingdom finance to this pastor is very simple. I'm a simple-minded man, all right? So here's what kingdom finance is to me. It's how King Jesus sees money. That's it. How does the king, that's Jesus, view money? How does money work in his kingdom? Because it does. There's a place for it in the kingdom. It's not the throne, but there is a place for it. And so how does the king see money? That's all I want to talk about today. I have a, I've not spoken on money at Providence since December 2019. Okay? So this is not something that is raging in our, in our bones. This is not something, like, even in times, I've, I've been honest about times where we've had bad months. Actually, September was, I think it was our, our best month of the year. All right, so I, I'm not, I, this is, this is I, I, I've, I didn't want to react or just kind of preach in fear or preach in shame. I literally feel like this is on God's heart and so I want to obediently walk here. But I've not spoken on money since 2019. Um, incredibly though, money came out of Jesus' mouth way more than it comes out of mine. Jesus spoke on money, I already said this, but Jesus spoke on money more than he spoke on heaven. When you read the words of Jesus, I think that is because money was one of the things that keep people from the Father's heart more than about anything. The Barna Research Group says that 4% of the church tithes. 
The church, not just Providence, all right, but it's about 20% Providence. So you 20%, I just want to thank you, all right, because you're, you're, you're doing it for all of us. And I just want to say a massive thanks. And you're just bad to the bone. How 20% of you allow us to do all the things that we're doing. I just want to say, woo, come on. Thanks for pioneering and paving the way. But across the board in the American church, 4% of the church tithes. Now, that is not, once again, not a shame thing. It is just facts. And what, what, our, what our, our pocketbook does shows where our heart is. Our, our, our money is much like our words. What we do with it is a manifestation of where we're at with Jesus. Uh, it's interesting that when Paul in the epistles is putting some apostolic pressure on the church in the area of finances, he says, I'm not asking for funds or I'm not inviting you to give because I'm in need. He says, and we're gonna get to this, this is Philippians 4, but he says, I've actually learned the secret of being content. Whether I have a lot or a little, I've learned the secret of contentment and it's not having a great bank account. That's not where my security comes. But he goes on to say, I'm asking so blessings can be added to your account. This is why Paul is pressuring the church. And I think in these, in these days where there's not a whole lot of massive trust for the scriptures, not a whole lot of massive trust for what we would call organized religion, not a lot of massive trust for the local church, I think in these days we, lead a re, we read a passage like that and it just sounds like expert manipulation. Oh, I want you to give. Oh, not for me, the one receiving the offering, for you. Oh, Okay, well, I've heard that song so many times, like, I don't trust that anymore. And we've seen that in operation in evil, demonic, self-seeking ways, haven't we? But just because we've seen it in evil, demonic, self-seeking ways doesn't mean that there, it did not originate with a, a, a biblical beauty. And I wanna return us to the biblical beauty of, of kingdom finances. In other words, what is Jesus want us to do with, listen, his money. Do you know that the money that you have is by grace and grace alone? It's not yours. Your hard, your hard work did not get you your money. God's grace did that allowed you to work hard. All right? This is, you are a steward at best. In the kingdom, this is, this is a, God's heart for finances is called sowing and reaping, and I want to get there at the end of my message, but before there, I want to share a few things that keep us from operating in God's best with our money, in my opinion, as I, in my opinion, as I scour the scriptures. Did I just say opinion? Is that a new word? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for, you know, the, the creativity of, you know, adding to dictionaries here. <laughs> Do you guys have a good opinion? Do you? Okay, good. <laughs> So here's, here's the thing. I want to draw our attention to a problem, and once again, this is a simple problem, but here's, the, here's a problem that I see, is that we're just using finances in a way that does not work in the kingdom. It's like we're trying to hammer a nail with a screwdriver. 
Or say, there's a nail that needs to be hammered, but we take a screwdriver and say, ah, you know, it's just like, why is this not working? Well, it's not working because we're not using it in Jesus's heart. We're not using it in a kingdom way. We're not using it in a biblical way. It may make sense the way that we think about money and feel about money and operate in money. It may make sense by the standards of the world, but it doesn't make biblical sense according to Jesus's heart and the standards of Jesus's kingdom. Now, I want to, um, I want to kind of take some financial misconceptions that we have, and I, I want to clear a few things up first uh, as, I, uh, as I get going here. And the first thing, if you're taking notes, I, I want you to write this in all caps if you can, with a Sharpie if you can, on your arm if you can, all right? But here's the first thing that I, I, I want to clear up is, is this, is that money is not bad, There's a lot of things in the Bible that we say are bad, like money or like sex or like other things. But actually, these things are coming out of God's heart. It's not that they're bad. It's that we're using them inappropriately. We're using them wrongly. We're using them destructively. We're using them and lifting them to a place where they should have never been. Money is a a tool, but it's, it's a horrible treasure, all right, a treasure is not a chest overflowing with, with gold. Like, ah, found it, you know? It is not, it is not this. We basically, we're better pirates than we are sons and daughters sometimes. And the way that we think about money and feel about money, money, money is not bad in and of, it, of itself. One of the most famously misquoted verses in the Bible is 1 Timothy chapter six. If you would just turn there for a moment, starting with verse Uh, nine, it says this. It says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, okay? Look at verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, I wanna be very clear that those two verses are saying a massive amount of things about money according to Jesus' heart, about money God's way, about uh, money in the kingdom. But one of the things that it is saying that we do have to lock horns with and we do have to really look at is money is not bad. It's desiring money like it's our God is what's bad. Those who desire to be rich, you see this? Not those who are rich. If you read down, you you see this in verse uh, 17, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. See, this is what money does. This is, money can be used in a bad way when it becomes our hope instead of God. So it is not money that's bad, it's when money has us, not when we have it. I know, I literally know this. There's been times in my life when I've been insanely poor. I made below the poverty line for like the first seven years at this church. You saw me insanely poor, okay? So there's been times where in my poverty, I have been more connected in my heart with money than when I can pay all my bills and be, be fine and drive a Ford Expedition and finally be a Christian. See, this is, it is, it is not, it is not if you have money, it is, and I know I didn't originate this, but it's if money has you. So, so money is not bad, but it's dangerous. 
Because it's one of these things that, that we can see it, and even with purity of heart, we can fall into its lies. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. It goes on to say, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So this is when money is our treasure and it's our desire. It is through this craving. What craving? The craving to have it. The craving to love it. The, the craving to enjoy it more than Jesus. And it's so stealthy, it can happen so easily. The, but when we start saying, money, I find more joy in you. I find more security in you. I find more delight in you than I do in God. And when we have a, a real heart-to-heart, and we really check our hearts. Where is our security coming from? Where are our desires headed? What are we actually treasuring? If it's money or anything that money buys, that is when, that is the love of money. And that is what leads to all kinds of evils. People have traded Jesus in for what money can supply throughout history so many times. And I think that some of us in this room have done that. And I think that even today we're, we're here and I just wanna say, you're here. And I think that Jesus, though, is asking for his place back in our hearts. So it's easy to say money is the root, but it's not. It's, it's your desire for it that's gone rogue, and that's wrong. So it's not money, but it's the love of money that's the roots of all kinds of evil. What this evil is, is this unhealthy desire. It's you were not crafted by God to desire anything more than God. Okay, so when you begin to desire something more than God, that is what's called unhealthy. And, and health and wholeness needs to be returned to the bride. We need to get it back. So it's this desire or craving that, that puts money in a place over God. And money is one of these things that can control our lives so much that this can happen and happens easily. It is, is verse 17 though, I just do wanna say this, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, listen to this though, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Just let it soak in for a second and meditate on that for a moment. So God provides us with things and he wants us to enjoy the things that he provides, okay? This is, this is I, I, know it's, I know it's elementary and we would pass it on a table, we just fail it in life. That God provides things for us and he wants us to enjoy them, he doesn't want us to treasure them more than him. Like a good dad who gets gifts for his children, hey, and the gifts should just endear the hearts of the children back to the Father. This is what God wants us to do, right? So enjoy the blessings that God gives. Don't treasure them, hold them loosely. They can come and they can go, all right? Now I wanna tell you a few things that, that money does not work as. There, there's certain things that money doesn't work as. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of like this, I am, uh, I'm gonna start getting back in the gym to lift weights. I used to lift weights all the time, love it. I know that you are looking at me, you're like, you don't lift weights? Woo, wow. I'm saying, you know, I, I don't much anymore, but, uh, but I need to, and I'm gonna get back in there, right, Jason? I first met Jason in the gym. He scared me so bad, all right? <laughs> We're on, the, we're on the stepper machine, he's wearing like 6,000 pounded weighted vest and he's screaming at me. I'm like, I'm like, now this is a man, you know? But uh, yeah, but have you ever been to a gym and you see people 
on a machine, and let's say that, that curl machine, but they've actually you know, strapped their head to it in some way, and they're, they're working out their neck. <laughs> and you just want to go up to them and say, that you're using that wrong. That's not how it works. Or you see someone, you know that thing that you sit on and you put your legs out like this to get your quads done? Like people are using that as the curl machine. They're just, you wanna, you're saying, no, 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 that's not, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to damage somebody, especially your, your reputation if you keep doing it this way. And I've been around when people are doing that, and everybody's like tapping each other going, <laughs> oh, man, stop. <laughs> you know, and they're doing all this, but, and, and they're laughing. They're not helping, all right? But what everybody knows that, that this is not, that they're, you're, they're using this machine not according to the design. It doesn't work the way that they're using it. It wasn't designed this way. And so a, a Jesus-loving person needs to walk up to these people at the gym and say, hey, you know what? Let me show you how this is, actually works. You know, you're, you're, it, so you won't just keep wasting your time, you see? All right? So I want us to stop wasting our time. Let me tell you a few things that money just, do, the, a few ways that money just does not work, okay? Number one, I've already alluded to this, but I'm going to say it again so we get it, that money does not work as a treasure, Okay? This is, I, I, know that, I know pirates would tell us otherwise, but money does not work as a treasure. If the greatest dreams of your life are to be a millionaire, or if the greatest dreams of your life are to be a billionaire, or the greatest dreams of your life are to have a, a lake house or a beach house, or the greatest dreams of your life are to retire by 45, all right? I promise you, you can get there and you will still be unsatisfied to the soul level. All right, money does not work as a treasure. It is not a treasure. It's a, it's a kingdom resource. That's it. It is not a treasure. It is to be used to let other people see the treasure. All right, so money uh, does not work as a passion. In the business world, you want to hire people that are motivated by money. In other words, that, that money is a passion because then they'll produce more money for you because they're motivated by it. But in the kingdom, if you're motivated by money, you, you, need, you need a 40 days of prayer and fasting to get right with Jesus. This is, if you're motivated by money instead of kingdom, you're operating outside of the kingdom and you shouldn't be scratching your head and like, why isn't this working? Well, you're using the machine wrong. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. And listen, this craving is powerful. And we can tell ourselves, no, I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated by a desire to provide. I'm motivated by being a provider. I'm motivated by being a good husband. I'm motivated by being a good father. Hogwash. I'm inventing, I haven't said that word in maybe ever. I'm just gonna receive that as from the Holy Spirit. That's what he's feeling over that demonic lie. See, that saying that, no, no, I'm motivated by being a provider, and so I've, I've got this drive and this passion for money, is just saying, you know, how I sin in another way. See, you, there's enough space in your heart for one passion. His name's Jesus. And so if you've got this desire to really go after it, I want to challenge that desire, all right? Um, money was not made to be a hope. 
I really hope that, you know, next year after we make, uh, you know, a few more grand, then we can, uh, you know, actually start giving again. Well, if you're not giving now, you won't give then. First Timothy 6, 17, listen to this, I've read this multiple times. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Let me tell you how in the kingdom, God has desired your heart to hope, God has designed your heart to desire and hope, okay? You're, you're designed to hope in that which never changes. Hope is an anchor, the Bible says, Hebrews. And you are supposed to anchor to something that is certain, not uncertain. You're to anchor to something that never changes, not what changes in every season. All right? And our, the anchor of our souls actually doesn't go down. Our, the anchor of our souls actually goes up to heaven, Hebrews says, to he who has paid the ultimate price for us. Our anchor, our, the, the anchor of our hope is attached to Jesus, not to money. And so if money is a hope for you, I want to say, hey, you're just, you're not going to make that machine work well. I'll tell you this, money does not satisfy or secure. Flip over to, First Timothy is beautiful, amen, but let's flip to Philippians for a moment. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 17. Let me just read this. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I want to hit pause right here. I want to tell you that this verse here that we yank out of the scripture and use for every single little thing, all right, is actually in the context of being happy in Jesus even when we're poor or being happy in Jesus even when we're rich, okay? Look at verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So as Paul's ministering at another church, that church is not financially supporting him, but the Philippians are supporting him in Thessalonica, even from Philippi, all right? And the Philippian church was the poorest they're the poorest of all the other ones, all right? Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help. Look at verse 17. Not that I seek the gift. And this is, this is what a watching world says, yeah, right. Manipulation at its finest. But just listen to God's, to Jesus' heart in this for a moment. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. There's something, you know the passage like Acts chapter 20? says it is better to give than to receive. That's what Paul is saying right here. He's saying in the kingdom, he says, when you give, it actually ushers in better blessings than, than when you don't. I'm, I want you to give, but if you don't, I've learned the secret of happiness in Jesus. In other words, contentment. If I have nothing or if I have tons more than enough, I, listen, my, I'm gonna keep rolling and doing my thing, Paul is saying. But it's not that I seek the gift. I can do without it. I'm seeking fruit that increases to your credit, he is saying. Now, I want to be very clear here. I'm not talking about um, giving to get, 
like, like we know it in unhealthy ways. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, name it, claim it. You know, if you just walk out and you, you claim, a, I don't know, a tractor or a Mercedes or a, you know, I believe when I go home, there will be a white tiger in my driveway just for me, all right? So yeah, well, there's the craziest things that have happened. I've actually heard sometimes that they've, they've worked, interestingly, but I'm not seeing that. I'm not talking about using God to get what you actually treasure. I'm talking about operating in God's heart here. And the way that God has said this is when you give, the gifts that you give, they're like seeds that sprout and grow in the future. So the real question is, in the kingdom is, how big or small of a harvest do you want? That is the real question. Now before I go there, um, and but, but I, I want to talk about, um, this is where something that is destructive in the body of Christ happens because we start getting here and, and you see people go off the deep end with, you know, uh, name it, claim it. Uh, then you see people go off the deep end the other way, but the other way is much more stealthy because it feels so much more spiritual. And this is a poverty mentality, all right? Now, especially in South Central Pennsylvania, poverty mentalities can be celebrated instead of rebuked, all right? Um, here's what a poverty mentality is defined by your pastor. A poverty mentality is when poor is spiritual and thriving is sinful, all right? Or it's when weak is, sin, uh, weak is spiritual or sick is spiritual or lacking is spiritual and uh, thriving is sinful, okay? Biblically, it's not spiritual to be either rich or poor. Biblically, what we just read is contentment with God, satisfaction with Jesus in any circumstances, what spiritual is, right? But this kind of manifests this way. Do you guys wanna hear a story? Well, I'll just keep moving this, all right? You don't, you don't wanna hear those. Oh, you do, okay. Well, in the early days of Providence, when we uh, really had no money whatsoever, um, I drove a host of free vehicles. All right, I'll never forget one of those free vehicles was a purple Plymouth Voyager that somehow Matt Margish got his hands on. It used to be a fleet vehicle. It had like 320,000 miles on it. There was only the front and passenger seat in a minivan. All the other seats were gone because it used to haul paint and paint had spilled. You know, they must've been in a, in a gunfight or something and, and paint was everywhere across this thing. But Matt got his hands on it. I was like, listen, if it's free, I'll take it. And I drove it until it died. Literally, when I say it died, I'm driving down the road, it stops, and it's just like oil and liquids are just coming out of the car. And so I had, to, I had to walk home. Someone else gave me another free vehicle then. It was a Chevy Corsica, all right? And I'm driving that vehicle. I'm in McSherry's town. It dies, all right? I, by this time, I'm bringing uh, running shoes with me. I'm young. That's back when I could run without dying, all right? And so I, now I, I, I have to run home from McSherry's town, all right? And then I, uh, I bought a vehicle in the early days of Providence. It was like a early 90s Toyota Camry, and it was a great vehicle. I got it for $1, but it had no shocks, all right? And so I was driving it until its inspection, and so I'd be going down the road. It looked like I was on hydraulics, but I was just like, I was like, come on. And if you ever have to step on the, on the brake and really kind of do this, then you kind of pop back up, and you just kind of, all right? It was great. And then, and then after all of that, somebody sees me struggling with all these vehicles, and they say, you know what? My dad has this weird Saturn 
You know, the front end is kind of hanging off, but we kind of taped that up. I'm sure that you could, if you would pay the insurance, I'm sure that he would let you drive that. Well, I started paying the insurance and I started driving that. And uh, it was, you know, it was, it was a fine car, but, uh, you know, it's you know, made in America and stuff. And I'm just like, you know, you know, this is not, this does not make America look good. All right. And so I'm driving this. And so anyway, what happens is uh, that car is letting me down just as much as the other ones almost. What happens is somebody that loves us very much had a, like a 2001 BMW, all right, convertible. And they said, Nathan, for the summer, why don't you just drive this? We're not driving it. And so I started driving around in the BMW. Now, it's very interesting. You pull a BMW to church, all right? When, when I was driving the Camry on, on false hydraulics, everybody was like, now that is a pastor. Yes. When I'm driving the car that I had to bring my running shoes for, people were like, keep doing the good work, pastor, you know? I, when I come pulling in in the BMW, everybody stops and says, say what? Yeah. This is where our tithe money is going? Let me correct, let me correct this, because you know, as pastors, you hear this a lot, all right? Can I tell you that whether it's tithe money or money that you got through gambling, it's all God's money, all right? You can't hold that over pastors' heads. Very demonic, actually, very discouraging, especially for their families. All right? So they're working just as much as anyone else. And so, but, but that is an example of where the poverty mentality slips into the church and is allowed to. When you cannot, nobody asks any questions, they just make assumptions. Since you were driving a BMW, I need to be concerned. But when you were driving a Saturn, dragging the front end, I'm happy. So when you can't celebrate with people for their blessings, that is a poverty mentality. And when you feel like I can't drive a BMW because I'm concerned about what other people are gonna think about me, that is a poverty mentality. What, what we need to do is we need to just break free by just operating in the freedom that God blesses us with and, and just saying, as far as what other people are gonna think of me, just whatever, I'm just a, if Jesus is okay with this, I'm going to enjoy it, says 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. All right? Now, it sneaks in this way. Uh, it, it is, if you go back into church history, though, you see that the monastic movement back in the, in the medieval times, they, the monastics back then, and it's still true today, that many of them take actually a vow of poverty, and what this vow of poverty says is that this vow of poverty is, is making an alignment with the poverty mentality that's saying, my poverty is making me more like Jesus. Now, can I tell you this? Do you guys remember that the wise men, when Jesus was born, is that actually he was about two years old, but when Jesus was, was two, the wise men come and they give him gifts. Those gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, made Jesus and his family millionaires from the start. If, if we're gonna be biblical, just listen, listen. If you don't believe me, and somehow all of these years, the Christmas story, it, Jesus gets all of those gifts and then they just evaporate when the, when the wise men leave. If you wanna live in that false narrative, fine, have fun. But these gifts were given that is why they could flee from Herod, go to Egypt, and live there for two years. All right? Just read the Bible. This is, this is not, 
This is not a person that's trusting their poverty to make them more pleasing to God is just as wrong as a person trusting their riches to make them happy. This is, we have to get in alignment with the kingdom. How about this? If Jesus had nothing, why did he need a treasurer? Just read the Bible. All right, 2 Corinthians, leave it there. We're gonna, part, the, part of the purpose of this message is just to get you angry enough to read the scriptures for once, all right? And just to get in there and stop having opinions over everything that you heard and actually hear, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter nine, verse six and seven, here's what breaks loose for real. The point is this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also, will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now I would say this is the standard for New Testament giving that is actually uh, shoots, shoots steroids into the Old Testament law. Old Testament law says you have to give, and I'm telling you exactly how much. Now Paul, now Paul is coming saying, you get to give, and you get to give whatever's in your heart. And whatever's in your heart should outdo whatever the law didn't. This is what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to actually be a giver, not just have to give. The, the word, each one must Give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful comes from the word hilarious. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's great to have a few biblical people around, you know. Uh, the, uh, but that word, that word cheerful is from the word hilarious. In other words, and I love this because here's, here's what I picture. When you get a word hilarious, but you, you know, translate it into English, so it becomes cheerful. I think cheerful kind of gives the vibe that, you know, I should give, but I shouldn't hate life. It's just like, oh, good. You know, if this does something for people at Hanover Hall, just kind of give cheerfully. Uh, but this is the hilarious is a whole other thing. Hilarious is laughing in the face of false realities of, of finances and money. Hilarious is I'm laughing at, at the lies, the lies of, of finances and wealth that they actually told me that my heart can be happy in them. And I am actually now operating in the new reality of the new kingdom that Jesus has purchased. And that says, I don't have to have a thing to be overjoyed with heaven's joy. I'm just, I'm just laughing at false promises and I want to see the kingdom advance because Jesus has bought me and purchased me. I'm now his son or his daughter and now I am commissioned with him to change the world with the best news that he's given me. And that's Jesus, the conqueror of death and the giver of life and all things good. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 and then verse 28 says this. One gives freely. This is, this is kingdom giving. This is heart of Jesus giving. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Do you see how backwards this is? Do you see how upside down this is? When you give in the, in the world, giving is like losing. But in the kingdom, giving is like gaining. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So there is something that you should give. If you're gonna be a Jesus follower, you're supposed to be a giver like Jesus. There's something you should give. It's a holy invitation. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, 
and one who waters will himself be watered. Now, I remember when I first read this, I'm sitting in Ingleside, Illinois, a suburb outside of Chicago, and I'm sitting on a green couch, and I'm reading Proverbs 11, and my translation was NIV back then, not, not ESV like I just read, but, but it says this, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, this is kingdom. God doesn't refresh hoarders that in their fear keep. God refreshes givers that in, the, in his generous heart give stuff away, and in their giving away, they're trusting the treasure of their lives to supply. Whoever trusts in riches, verse 28, will fall. If you like Bible promises, if you have a journal of Bible promises, write that one. Whoever trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Now here's the kingdom principle, my friends. The kingdom principle is just sowing and reaping. In the kingdom, when you trust finances so little that you can easily release them and you trust God so much that you trust him to supply everything that you need. This is the generous heart of Jesus. In, the, in, in Jesus's day, it was an agricultural society. And so everybody knew back then that, that it's, it's not like, you know, if I want to plant like a, a boxwood bush or something, if I want to get a watermelon or something uh, plant, I go to Lowe's Garden Center and I buy it. But this was not the day back here. The Jesus's day was you take seeds and you plant them. And the whole livelihood of the, of the culture was built around planting and harvesting. And so this was in society, this was in culture that we sow and then we reap and we sow and then we reap. And it takes time and it's not like this. It's not like buying a plant, digging a hole, popping it in and just hitting it with some miracle grow. All right, this is, it's sowing and it's waiting and it's trusting and it's, it's deliberation and it's believing and it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's planting your heart and hoping in God. And then it's reaping a harvest. And here's the thing, let's do math for a second. If you plant 10 seeds, how much of a harvest do you get? All right, actually let's do it this way. Do you get more of a harvest if you plant 10 seeds or 10,000? 10,000, right? You plant 10 seeds, you get 10 seeds worth of harvest. You plant 10,000 seeds, you get 10,000 seeds worth of harvest. And in biblical times, this culture that, you know, where their, their society revolved around this, they got this. It's today that we don't. And God just wants us to return to this. He wants us to, he wants us to say, hey, how much of a harvest do you want? Do you want to, are you going to trust me? See, seeds can be money, but they don't have to be. Seeds can be kindness. Seeds can be anything from the kingdom that you decide to plant in other people's lives, plant in other people's lives. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give this freely. I'm gonna give this freely. I'm gonna give this freely. That's why like I've got a rule that most times when I'm at Starbucks, if there's somebody behind me, I'm paying for them. Even if they're driving a Beamer, even if it's a convertible, even if, if it looks like they have more money than me, I don't care because, because I want to plant seeds from Jesus's heart into theirs. In fact, I was driving uh, with my daughter Grace a few months ago and we saw somebody in a nice car behind us, but they were behind us at, at uh, Starbucks. I just got my daughter one of those vanilla bean frappuccinos. Don't tell her mom, all right? So, um, but uh, you know, yeah, hit it with a shot of espresso. I really wanna fire my daughter up, you know? 
<laughs> and I got myself whatever I get, you know, and then I paid for one behind. This car finds us, and they, she finds us at the, at the parking lot, and she's just like holding it up, and she's just like, you know, listen, it's called kingdom. Yeah. What? Why would somebody do that? Well, in the world, it makes no sense. What do you get is that? I was asking somebody not too long ago, would you help us take care of the needs of the people of Haiti? Let me tell you their response. You're gonna talk about a dark region. Let me tell you their response. Well, what are these Haitians gonna do for us? I promise, I promise. If this wasn't a lady, I would have tangled, all right? I, I was like, what do you mean? What are they gonna do for us? It's a fourth world country. We are rich for them. What do you mean? This is, we're, we're so captivated. We're so enticed by the lure of money and making sure we've got a retirement for a few decades down the road that we, we're scared to bless. And Jesus is just calling us back. Listen to this one. The Knights Templar. I know I've shared this with you before, but for those of you who are new, um, this is for you. The, the Templar knights used to be baptized into their order, but they were baptized with their sword hand out of the water and their sword. So they're basically saying, God, you can have all of me except what I do with the unholy things that I do with this sword. Those are for me to do. Those are for me to wield. Like, what kind of jacked up theology is this? And we would all say, no, like you can't be bad. You can't hold your sword above the water. Yet as Christians, we hold our wallets above the water every day. Wow. We say, no, 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 Jesus, I can't trust you with that. When is the last time you got paid and you asked Jesus what you are to do with it? Wow. Jesus, I'm dedicating my whole life to you except for this 10%. And that belongs to me. I do a lot of weddings, a lot of weddings. Never once have I heard somebody be excited about vows that go like this. Baby, I love you. <laughs> you mean so much to me, you mean the world to me. I can't believe I found you. I can't believe God's brought us together. I dedicate to you, I vow to love you as your husband, 85%. <laughs> and after the bride smacks him across the face and says, return to reality, 85%, oh yeah, you get most. 15% is for me. I, you know, maybe I'll, with that 15%, I'll, I'll date a little, I'll do some things on the side, but you know, you get most. And this is the kind of Christianity that is powerless. And this is the kind of Christianity that we've adopted when it comes to our finances. Jesus, you get most. I'll, I'll drop a 50 and the side bin on occasion at Providence. I'll do, you know what? I'm gonna help somebody today. And money wasn't made so we feel better about ourselves. The cross is for that, all right? The cross is where God gets all your junk and you get all Jesus' righteousness, all right? Money wasn't made so you feel good about you, all right? M money, as well as your whole life and your whole mind and your whole self and your whole being and all your love, all your desires and everything, God gets all of you or it's not Christianity. It's not you trying to please God, it's, it's you being enamored with God who is pleased with you because of the blood of the cross. So I just wanna encourage us today um, to begin praying about God once, uh, pray about this, here's a dangerous prayer, all right? 
this is, this is insane to the world. Don't, don't tell anybody this, just do this, all right? The fruit will be, don't, don't be proud of yourself, all right? But tonight, before you go to bed, humble yourself by getting on your knees. Bow your bed, face to the ground, whatever. Just literally, like, do it. Like, let, let, the, let, let the, you know, the, the posture of your heart come in alignment with God who's bigger than us. And get on your knees and say, God, my money is not mine, I repent. What do you want me to do with your money? What do you want me to do, God, with your money? This money that has promised me things but has never really delivered. And the more I've gotten, the more I've wanted. And the more security I thought I've walked in, the, the less security I even thought I had. This money hasn't delivered, it's been a false lie. I've been using it wrongly. God, I'm coming into alignment with your heart. What do you want me to do with your money? So I'm basically saying surrender your finances, baptize your bank account, and put your faith in Jesus over everything, including your money. And that's what I'm asking you to do. And I just wanna give you, a, can you just take like, a, like a, a good hard 12 seconds for a moment, just to quiet your heart right now and just begin that conversation with God? Just welcome God in. Like, let, like let God put like, you know when you, you climb to the top of a mountain and you put a flag in the ground, you like mark, like I've gone here. Go there right now, put the flag in saying, Jesus, tonight we're returning to this spot. So God, I just, I just pray that your church would trust you with your money more than we trust ourselves with your money. And I pray that we would be certain that you're good. I pray that we would be obsessed with the reality that, that you are better than us and you're better at taking care of us than we are taking care of ourselves. God, that we would stop being like orphans, thinking we've got it all together and we'd actually come in the house and let Father father us in the area of our finances. And that if there's any ties with, hey, listen to this, if some of us need to, need to break ties right now with a poverty mentality that judges others based on what car they drive, what vacations they go on, what clothes they wear. We're, we're, make, we're making assumptions about people and it's wrong. And we just wanna break ties with that poverty mentality. And some of us, we feel better about our relationship with God when we're poor. But we wanna to return to the gospel that it's not poverty that makes us right with God, it's the righteousness of Jesus that makes us right with God and faith in Jesus. So God, we wanna be the kind of church that uh, you love to bless in every way, including this one. So I just pray right now, God, that you would do a great and mighty work in hearts and lives. Great and mighty work. Just take us into deeper, scarier waters than we've been in. Prove yourself faithful like you have over and over and over and over again. And I just bless this church and I bless our hearts and I just pray that our hearts would line up with the generosity of Jesus and we would operate as your kingdom people. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it was, as I was praying, I, I really felt strongly that, uh, that God has poured out some faith to actually believe like the only kind of Christianity that you know is the kind of Christianity where you judge other people based on your perceptions of them. And, uh, and I think so whether it's poverty or whether, whatever, it's whatever, you know, we go pretty wild up front here. We got flags and stuff. I think that some of you judge those people. 
And I think that uh, today God wants to break that in your hearts. I just wanna invite the, uh, the prayer team up here and they're gonna be warriors for your hearts today, all right? And I want you to come up here and I just want you to go after that specifically. But if you need a touch of God in any way, physically or mentally or, emo- or emotionally or financially, all right? I just want you to come get prayer today and the rest of you, just hug somebody, be blessed, enjoy Jesus and find out that he is better than any of his gifts, amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 